number two of the Bill Michaels Show, and we are uh, ecstatic to have you with us on a day like today in which we're getting ready for the divisional round. Green Bay, uh, they are hosting the 49ers. Lambeau Field, frigid Lambeau Field coming up tomorrow night. The 49ers, they're averaging 195.3 rushing yards per game over their last four postseason games. Think about that. So the run game we know is going to be heavy. Jimmy G coming into town with a bad thumb, a somewhat bad shoulder. Uh, they're not going to rely on him to throw the ball all over the place. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll break this down. Let's uh, let's go to our guy. Uh, we got Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus joining us on the hotline. Eric, how are you doing today, man? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I feel like we paid our dues last week with some bad games, and now we're going to get some good games this weekend. Yeah, it's uh, let, let's let's talk about. Uh, we'll we'll come back to the Packers, but we've got good games all weekend long. You've got Cincinnati on the road taking on Tennessee. Cincinnati gets their first win since '91, and since Moses was a baby, they finally go get a win in the postseason. Joe Burrow looks to be the real deal, but Derrick Henry is coming back. Give me give me your thoughts on that matchup in Tennessee. Yeah, it's an interesting one because you get Henry coming back, but if you look at Hen- some of Henry's splits as a running back. Um, you know, he starts season slow and it, it, that sounds weird because we're, we were in January right now, but I wonder if people who are sort of betting the Titans and this number has moved out to three and a half, um, you know, open around three are, are really pricing that in yet. Henry is a guy that, you know, as the game goes on, as the season goes on, I think is more effective. I don't know if you can just plug and play him if you're Tennessee, Right off the bat, that being said, Cincinnati without Larry Ogunjobi, without former Packer Mike Daniels, um, that will be uh, a test for them. But you know, the, the Titans on the defensive side of the ball struggle in coverage, and that's not something you want to do uh, against a group like Tyler Boyd, uh, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. How do they uh, pressure the quarterback? Because Joe Burrow has just been so good, and we even saw him on the run against uh, the Oak- or, uh, against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And still be able to hit Jamar Chase. He was still able to hit T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd. Uh, he, he works well with his tight end. So you tell me, do they do enough to get Joe Burrow into a situation in which, uh, you know, he could make some mistakes? I, I don't think so. Last week, you know, Max Crosby, he had over 100 pressures this year. Uh, they were able to neutralize him somewhat. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe is better than any edge that the uh, that the Titans have. Titans sort of in the 20s in terms of however you look at their pass rush. So I think the Bengals are going to be able to score in this one. To me, it's all dependent upon whether Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones can, can match them in the passing game. And, and as I said, whether Derrick Henry is the guy that can control the football game on the ground for, for Tennessee. So let's move on. We go to the next game, and not on Saturday. We'll get back to the Packers. But uh, on Sunday, you've got the Rams on the road. Now, the Rams playing really good football, and they look really good in pressuring Kyler Murray. But there's no way that Tom Brady's going to make the same mistakes Kyler Murray did. And I, I still think there is something to be said for Matthew Stafford staring across the field down the eyes of the lion that is Tom Brady, even though he is without uh, a good portion of his weaponry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, you know, Brady, you know, he was sacked a few times last week because of the injuries to Wirfs and Jensen. Um, you know, but I think Brady is one of the best players in the history of the league at protecting his offensive line uh, with a week to know kind of what's in front of him. I think he'll be fine. Um, to me, the other side of the ball is interesting, right? Because the the Rams disguise their coverages more than any team in the NFL, about 9% more than any team in the NFL. And Brady's passer rating uh, does take a hit when other teams disguise coverages. But the Rams, 
you know, they had to bring Eric Weddle in last week because Jordan Fuller was hurt. And Jordan Fuller, the, the play caller for that defense, I don't know if the Rams are going to be able to do everything they want to defensively, and obviously that's going to be a help to Brady. On the other side of the ball, Andrew Whitworth, kind of questionable for this game. You look at the Bucs, I mean, they ruined the Chiefs' Super Bowl last year with Pierre Paul, you know, Barrett, uh, Vita Vey, and Adamican Sue. Um, you know, the Rams really leaned on the running game last week against Arizona. I don't think they're going to be able to this week, and it's going to be all Stafford. Uh, and as Packers fans know, like, that's not a great formula for winning. Uh, if Stafford dropping back the pass 50, 50 times a game. Um, the, you mentioned the front four of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Vita Vey so stout in the middle, obviously, and Dominican Sue coming towards the end of his career. Uh, veteran contract came back for yet another year. Are they the same as what we witnessed last year? Because I, it's it's like they were really good last year. They had this luster about them. This year it seems like they're there, they're good, but they're nowhere near as good as they were last year. Yeah, I think that's a fair uh, a fair charge. I mean, Pierre Paul is nearing the end of his career as well. Um, Barrett got the big contract, but they, they did bring uh, Joe Tryon, Inc., a, a rookie from Washington, to come in. He's provided some juice as well for them. Um, Vea, you know, I think has had a really, really good year. That's why he got the contract extension. But I, I think your characterization is fair. And, and you know, the, the fact is, is in the playoffs last year, I mean, they really feasted on, you know, a Packers team that was without Bakhtiari. Uh, and, and as well as a Chiefs team that was without 80% of their offensive line. Um, that's kind of where I see them possibly being a strength in this game is if the Rams are missing their best player in Andrew Whitworth on that left side. That's really been the only time that a McVay offense has consistently struggled is when that offensive line has not been good. Bills on the road taking on the Chiefs, and this is probably the matchup that everybody circled is Josh Allen. I had said that I thought it was time for the Bills to kind of take their place atop the AFC. You've got Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes, both quality quarterbacks, both can move, both. And looking at defensively speaking, the Chiefs a little bit soft on the outside. If they allow Josh Allen to run, move the chains, extend drives, it could be a long day in Kansas City, and by no means is weather going to affect either one of these teams. So give me your thoughts there. Yeah, it's a great one. I mean, I think the number here is about negative, you know, uh, minus two for the Chiefs. That's sort of basically saying that these two teams are equal on a neutral field. I do think that the team that wins this game is going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, and it is. It's, it's crazy. I've been saying all week that if Buffalo and Kansas City both play their best game, I think Buffalo wins. They just have so many things that they can go to. I think if both teams play their average game, though, I think Kansas City wins. And, and to me, that's just because the water level for Patrick Mahomes is just so much higher than it is for almost any other quarterback in the league, um, save maybe you guys' this guy, Aaron Rodgers, and, and Tom Brady. Um, but, you know, so I think, you know, we saw what the Chiefs are capable of last week. They, they had five touchdowns in a 10-minute span of football. But we also saw what Buffalo is capable of, seven drives, seven touchdowns against the New England Patriots defense. There's no slot. So this will be a, a great game. I really have a hard time picking who I like against the spread in this one. I uh, I go back to the first quarter of that game in which they went toe-to-toe with Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh was able to just stymie them and frustrate them. I don't think you can have a quarter in which you kind of you know, offensively take off and then turn it over to the Bills and the weaponry they have. That it, Just one quarter may end up costing you a game if they play the way they did starting out uh, Excuse me, against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think that's fair um, for sure, especially given the, what happened in the last game between the two teams where the Chiefs turned it over four times and struggled, you know, defensively. Uh, The Bills kind of took control of that game early and never relented. That being said, the Bills, you know, three weeks ago, they were were trailing at halftime to Atlanta at home. Uh, The week after that, they were only up 13-10 to against the New York Jets. 
uh, late into that game before they turned it on. So, like, the Bills, I think the Bills are equally capable of laying an egg. Um, it's just that, you know, we've seen, you know, both teams really recently put up some great performances, and the performance by the Bills is more even and, frankly, more impressive than the Chiefs last week. Now I mention uh, the fact coming into this thing that the, uh, the the 49ers have been able to run the ball almost at will in the postseason over the last four postseason games. Packers not being any different from that because they, they got ran over uh, just a couple of years ago by the 49ers. So you tell me, with this game being at Lambeau Field, not in San Francisco, the Packers trying to shake off the, the dust of losses to the 49ers in the postseason, specifically with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Give me your thoughts on this contest at Lambeau Field tomorrow night. Yeah, it's it, yeah. They have to stop the run. I mean, the the fact is, is like Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, you you guys know that as, as good as anybody. I can't think of anybody who has had success with a bad thumb in that in that stadium other than Brett Favre. Um, and you know, Garoppolo had the bad thumb for two weeks, but they were playing indoors in L.A. and then indoors in Dallas. But now he has the shoulder injury, uh, which can't be good as well. Um, the Packers have done a great job this year. Uh, of being ball hawks, you know, Rasul Douglas, uh, I think, and even Devondre Campbell among the two, like, sort of chief leaders there. Uh, Garoppolo, for all of his strengths and weaknesses, you know, he throws what's called, um, and <laughs> whether it's open or not. And, and Shanahan does a really good job of scheming things open. But, you know, as we saw last week in the Dallas game, Garoppolo gives the other defense a chance a lot. And, and I think the Packers this year have been uniquely suited to do, to take advantage of those uh, with you know, with Douglas against you know Cleveland against Arizona, uh, he stepped in front and made big plays. I think you're going to see at least some opportunities for the Packers there. So if they make if they take advantage of that, um, also if they're if they're physical in the ground game, like the, I think the Niners defense is okay, but um, the Packers you know do add that physical element with Dylan and and, uh, and Jones as well. Uh, no Marquez Valdez Scantling, which I know. He draws the ire of some fans in Green Bay a little bit, but I think he's a difference maker for that team. That hurts them a little bit. But on balance, I, I do agree with this, you know, this point spread being around five and a half, six, just because I think the, the Niners are not going to be able to be one-dimensional against the Packers. They're going to have to lean on Jimmy G, and I just don't know if Jimmy G can do it uh, given the elements and just given his like, baseline level of play. You know, it's interesting because when I went through the comparisons for this season, uh, the 49ers lead in damn near every category. I mean, uh, obviously passing goes to Aaron Rodgers over Jimmy Garoppolo, but when it comes to running the football, run defense, points per game, and all that kind of stuff, they're either even or or the 49ers get the nod, except for the ability to, to garner turnovers. The Packers are plus 13 and the 49ers are negative four. A lot of that's Jimmy Garoppolo, who will toss a couple up, and we've talked about that. That may be what this game comes down to, is just a tide-turning turnover that, that gives the Packers, or, or the 49ers for that matter, the advantage. But other than that, the, the 49ers, you can't overlook them because they're a really good football team in a lot of statistical categories. Yeah, they are. I mean, you look at uh, yards per attempt, like I think Packers fans would be surprised to know that Jimmy Garoppolo averaged more yards per pass attempt this year than Aaron Rodgers, I believe, and, and even like the, you know, the, some of the advanced metrics, he's, he looks really good. And like I said, I think the reason for that, and, and maybe when you look across the league and see other guys who are like Garoppolo, like Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, and Ryan Tannehill, Garoppolo sometimes gets better production because, like I said, he throws what's called, right? He, he throws that ball in the middle of the field when, it's, when, when Shannon calls it, and those plays, that's where you see the Kittle, that's where you see the Samuel and Ayuk, and they make big plays. But it's also where you see the interceptions, right? And, you know, whereas other guys maybe that the Packers face throughout the year, like Kirk Cousins, like dump it off and don't give give the interception to the other team, right? And 
And that's where I think, you know, if you look at this game and you're betting it, for example, like I don't necessarily know if I take the points of the Niners. I think the Niners are either game enough to win this game and, and avoid mistakes or the Packers, as you said, get enough turnovers, enough big plays on their side of the ball to sort of win this game by margin. So that's kind of how I see it. I think it'll be a great game, and I think it'll be obviously a, a big matchup because, you know, this series between the Niners, especially for somebody like me, 36 years old, you know, this, this Packers – Niners series in the playoffs has been epic uh, for the last you know, 25, 30 years. So I'm looking forward to another stanza. The road team most likely to win this weekend is? Good question. I, I, so I think it's Cincinnati. Um, I think it goes Cincinnati, Buffalo, L.A., and uh, San Francisco. I, you know, I do agree with the market that San Francisco should be the, the longest shot. Um, even though I think most Packer fans are rightly a little nervous about this game. All right, man. Appreciate it. Eric, always great to talk to you, and we'll talk to you down the road as the season continues on towards L.A., okay? Bill, thanks for having me on. Take care. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus. You can find him at PFF underscore Eric, at PFF underscore Eric uh, over on Twitter, and uh, they have all their stuff there. Good breakdown, uh, and I love it. But when you look at all the statistical categories, and that's what I was talking about, when you look at points per game, the 49ers are 13th, Packers are are, are 9th. Packers average 26.5 points per game, 49ers 25.1 points per game. Total offense, 49ers are 7th, Packers are 10th. Rushing offense, 49ers are 7th, Packers are 18th. Passing offense, that's the difference. Passing offense, Packers are 8th. 49ers are 12th. Possession uh, average time. Packers are number one. 32.43 seconds per game average. Uh, the 49ers 11th at 30.40. But points allowed per game, they are tied for ninth at 21.5. Packers 21.8. So it's not that huge of a difference, but it is about six spi- uh, four spaces in the total defensive rank. Total defense, Packers rank ninth. They rank third. Rush defense, Packers are 10th. They are 7th. Pass defense, Packers are 10th. They are 6th. Sacks, they are 5th. Packers are 15th. Interceptions, Packers are 6th. They are 26th. 6th worst in the National Football League. Their coverage is not good, which is why you're going to see probably as much as we want to talk about A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones and the ground and pound, you're going to see a lot of Devontae Adams, Lazard, Cobb, Josiah DeGuara passes out of the backfield. You're going to see that because they're susceptible there. Uh, And then when it comes to turnover differential, they are 22nd. The 49ers are 22nd in the National Football League at negative four. The Packers, on the other hand, are third best at plus 13. If the Packers don't turn the ball over and accept a couple that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to throw up, Packers will win this game going away. That's been the biggest deterrent for the 49ers during their losses. But uh, they've been much better, and their defense has been able to overcome, like I said, 9-2 and two in their last 11 games. That's including the game against Dallas. And uh, so it's 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 a relatively even evenly matched group, but... The Packers are better in turnovers, and we all know turnovers usually dictate the outcome of, of ball games. Packers have just been better in that area. Uh, so there you go. That's a quick breakdown. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up next. Ready! 
This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hour number three of the Bill Michael Show, and we are glad you are here. And as much talk as there is, as much as there is about the green and gold, Packers tonight or Packers tomorrow night taking on uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Here comes Michigan State and uh, Tom Izzo and company into the uh, into the Kohl Center. Coming up later on this evening, taking on number eight Wisconsin. Michigan State sitting at number fourteen. Uh, two really good teams matching up tonight. And to talk more about it from the Big Ten Network and College Basketball Insider, Mike DeCourcy now joining us. Mike, how you doing? I am very well, Bill. How are you? We're great. Uh, this is, I did not expect this game on the docket to be this big at this point in the season. But what we're witnessing out of Wisconsin has been, I, I don't want to call it amazing or surprising or what have you, but it's been really exciting. And, and so talk a little bit about how big this matchup is tonight. Well, if you'd like, I'll call it amazing and surprising uh, because although uh, one expected Wisconsin to be a first division Big Ten team, uh, that uh, the idea that they are first in the Big Ten currently and 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 in, in the top ten nationally is largely a product of the stunning development, the stunning advances that Johnny Davis has made. Tyler Wall is a, pretty much uh, a a, an ordinary progression, a really good contributing freshman, really good contributing sophomore, now a starter who is a significant player. That's pretty much how it goes at Wisconsin and has since uh, Bo came, uh, at least, and maybe beyond that, to Dick Bennett. Uh, it, it, that, that's the, been the progression. Uh, but Johnny Davis went from really good contributing freshman to superstar national player of the year candidate. That doesn't happen almost anywhere, let alone uh, with the Badgers. Uh, they had a play, national player of the year. Sure, it, he was in his fifth year. Uh, for Johnny to be this good this fast is a stunning development, and it, it, it's changed the calculus for what Wisconsin might be able to accomplish this year. I, I I like Davis, and you're absolutely right. Brad Davison has been a big contributing factor. Tyler Wall as well. And then you go down the list. I, I look at Michigan State coming into this contest with Gabe Brown, who's not nearly as prolific, obviously, but they're steady. They're 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 good. At probably eight, nine, ten deep on this team. They can throw a lot of different looks at you. What does Michigan State have to do tonight at the Kohl Center to be able to knock off this hot Badger team? Well, I think the first thing is they have to defend really well, which uh, I I saw. Uh, Tom Izzo say that he was really unhappy with his team's defense against Northwestern. I, I I don't really know what he was basing that on because if you looked at the numbers, just about every way that one can cut up defense with the exception of situationally, uh, the numbers were all positive. Northwestern didn't score that many points. They didn't shoot a very high percentage. Uh, they, they weren't that effective, but they scored more points than the Spartans. And I think that, one thing that coaches are often reluctant to criticize their team's offense because unless it's a selfish offense and that's not an issue for Michigan State, they don't like to to put their their players at ill at ease 
on offense. They they don't mind criticizing defense because defense is first effort and then second just attention. And those are both things that that are easily you know not easily coached but are coachable. And offense is a lot. There's a lot more that goes into it. Confidence, uh, the, the confidence to make the right pass, to make a daring pass at times, to to take an open shot. All those things into it. So coaches don't like to criticize that as much. But it was that was the biggest problem in the Northwestern game. Their offense was poor, and part of the offense, part of the problem was that they didn't get enough out of either Gabe Brown or Marcus Bingham. Markham did, Marcus did not play well that day at either end of the floor. He's a real defensive factor when he's on, and that's most of the time. But in that game, Ryan Young just kept getting into his body and causing him problems, and he never really resolved those problems. But their offensive problems go beyond just uh, the fact that uh, Gabe Brown uh, had a rough day that day. I, I think that there's a, a, a lack of there's a lack of direction, not in terms of from the bench, but in terms of what you would want to do with these players. You mentioned nine or ten deep, but okay, so who do you want to score the points? Who is your first option? Who who do you want to play off of that? Uh, that they don't really have a real answer for that. It's it tends to be because they don't have a natural answer for that. It tends to be, well, he's playing well today, so let's let's emphasize that, and that that can work at times. Uh, but in a league like this where you don't get a lot of easy games, if any, uh, it, it, it sometimes can be difficult to, to be successful. The uh, the Badgers, uh, over the last couple of games, they've shot the lights out beyond the arc. All of a sudden, they've just found a really good rhythm. But one thing that I've watched, I love Chucky Hepburn's game. I love Vogt's game. When you talk about defense and kind of being able to dictate what it is you can do offensively off of fast break and off of defense, the Badgers have just played really and I hate to compare it like this because it's probably pretty unfair, but it, it reminds me of the Bo Ryan defense. It reminds me of the, the you know, kind of guard your lanes, fast hands, uh, you know, a lot of tip outs, being able to create fast break opportunities. And then when you do get kick outs, when you work the ball around the perimeter uh, side to side, all of a sudden you're getting these wide open looks beyond the arc. It, it, it's, it's just flowing so good, Mike. I just see them creating a line. We don't talk about the Badgers defense very much, but they've been really good defensively. Yeah, they've had some. They they have some positive qualities to their defense. They've not been oppressive. Uh, they, you know, metrically they they don't measure as well as the best Wisconsin teams. They're only 36th in defensive efficiency right now uh, in terms of uh, effective field goal percentage. Uh, they, their their defense is only middle of the road. Uh, opponents uh, are shooting reasonably well against them. But they but they, this is a team that. Uh, offensively has been very productive and and they've been able to to basically uh, make sure that they always have at least one more point than the opposition. It, it's a team that plays situations extremely well. I think that's part of the game that maybe doesn't get discussed enough that you getting the big stop or scoring the the essential basket on a, on a, on a, on a key trip it's uh, underestimated in its importance. Because you you go back and forth so much, and eventually, uh, it, what you are kind of gets de- exposed, so to speak. Not not in the negative sense, but displayed. You are you are. This is who you are when you play games with all these possessions. But when you are able to, at the key moment, get that quality shot and make it, 
uh, run the right set and, and execute it well. Uh, get the big stop because your players all rotated perfectly. That's kind of what Wisconsin's been doing. Um, one of the terms that has been used with Wisconsin has been grit. Uh, sometimes they just outgrit you, uh, that work ethic. Maybe uh, maybe that's more what I'm kind of leaning towards, I guess, when you talk about the, the some of the Badger teams from the past. This is a gritty, gritty team, and, and just kind of the way they go about their business in that workmanlike ethic, but that almost like we will not be not denied type of ethic, you know, Mike? Yeah, I think that's kind of what I was just describing in that situational yeah. concept, uh, yeah. that – being able to play in big moments, you know, there's uh, since math became such an important part of, of athletics, uh, there's there's been a tendency to try to 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 you know number you know sort of uh, math the uh, the clutch out of the game. There's no there are there are people who do math in sports who say there's no such thing as clutch, and I just it just boggles my mind because I've stood over a three foot putt from time to time. Even with no money on the line, maybe just if I make this, I break 40 or whatever. Of course, that was a long time ago. But, you know, that, that's, if you don't feel that, then, then you're not really, you know, you're not alive. I mean, that's kind of what you play for. But the ability to play through that and stand over that three-foot foot putt or whatever it might be and say, yeah, of course I'm going to make this. That's the difference. Uh, and so I think Wisconsin goes into those moments and feels very comfortable with them. And I don't know why that is because it's a, it's a fairly new group of players to those moments. Remember that they lost most of the, the key players from last year's team, most of the, 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 the starting lineup from last year's team. And you were left with Brad and, and really good contributing reserves like, like Tyler and, and Johnny, who both become outstanding starters. And of course you got a freshman in Chucky and, and it's all, all that has worked well so that when they get into those moments, uh, they are, they're really effective. And I, I, I think that that's the biggest thing with this team. And it's one of the reasons why you see, t- you see a lot of uh, national observation of them being skeptical. They, they, national, national observation doesn't like the idea of clutch. You know, they, they don't believe in it. They believe in power. And, and I understand that because power goes a long way. But we've seen teams make Final Fours because they could play in those moments. We've seen, I, I think to an extent, uh, Virginia won the 2019 National Championship because they could play in those moments. Uh, they had probably better pure talent one to five than what this Wisconsin team does. Uh, but I don't know if they had any better college basketball players on that roster than, than Johnny Davis. A lot of talk about just when you talk about the strength of some of these teams in, in the Big Ten itself, Purdue going to double overtime with Illinois, I know, but Purdue sitting at number four after just taking a loss. You've still got Ohio State up there, Michigan State, Illinois. I mean, going on and on. How strong and how deep is the Big Ten in your eyes right now? Because you look at a lot of the bracketology that's already starting to come out, and they, they got already anywhere from ten deep, uh, seven to ten deep. Yeah, I think it'll probably settle at around seven. Uh, teams in the NCAA tournament, unless we see a second half surge from somebody uh, like a M- Penn State, Michigan, Rutgers, uh, Minnesota gets back on uh, and, and, and finds a way in. Th- those teams all have the opportunity. Uh, I, Michigan certainly has a lot farther to go than the others, but they also have probably more pure talent than the others, so maybe they can do it. But right now, it's a pretty solid seven. 
and and now that Indiana has defeated has defeated Purdue and at least gotten one road win, albeit over Nebraska, I think those seven are really solid in. There's they'd have to, they'd have to somewhat collapse. One of them or, or or more would have to somewhat collapse in order to fall behind the teams that are either uh, lower than them on my bracket or out of the tournament on my bracket. Uh, I think you're looking at a pretty easy seven. You know, from a standpoint of strength, um, I think that somewhat remains to be seen. I, I, it was pretty obvious a year ago that there was great accomplishment among most of the teams in the Big Ten. It, they, and, and it didn't work out in March for various reasons. But this, 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 te- this league is not quite as accomplished as it was a year ago. And the high-end teams don't seem to be as, as likely to, to reach the Final Four as maybe it seemed on the eve of last year's tournament. But Wisconsin, uh, Purdue, Illinois, Michigan State, I- Ohio State, any one of those teams could wind up in the Final Four. Wouldn't surprise me if, if any of them did. Uh, for for the Buckeyes, uh, for Michigan State, I, I think it de- depends a little bit on draw there, and for Michigan State more so than Ohio State, a development over the the rest of the season to to where they find uh, that path that I was talking about before them not really having that you know, that direction uh, of okay we want to go here with our offense that sort of thing. But if that happens, they certainly can go a long way. Well, big standalone spotlight on uh, Wisconsin and Madison tonight. Wisconsin taking on Michigan State at the Kohl Center. Uh, Mike, always a pleasure to talk to you, and I know we're going to kind of, you know, pick your brain down the road, but thanks for joining us for a couple of minutes, okay? Sounds great. Thanks. Thanks so much, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. That's Mike DeCourcy uh, of the Big Ten Network. Sporting news, uh, Mike's been around so long, and I, I used to read his stuff when I was growing up as a kid when he was with the Cincinnati Enquirer years and years ago. So I uh, love him, his stuff. And he's just got so much knowledge. It just kind of falls out of his head, and he's got so much knowledge. In the Big Ten tonight, uh, the standalone games out of the top 25, and number 14, Michigan State on the road, taking on Wisconsin at the Kohl Center. And the other game is a 6 o'clock Central time get underway, and that is Illinois, number 17 in the country, taking on Maryland on the road. So... Uh, the two games out of the top 25 tonight that are standalones are those two games. So you've got the spotlight to yourself tonight. Uh, both of those games, by the way, on Fox Sports 1, on FS1, if you're going to watch them tonight. So I th- I'm going to be out and about tonight. I'm definitely sitting down to watch that contest. So I know we're going out with some friends, but I think the friends are going to get part of my attention. The rest of it's going to be focused on the Cole Center and on what the Wisconsin Badgers do against Tom Izzo's crew. Uh, this portion of the program, thanks to uh, Mike for, for joining us, by the way. This portion of the program. Brought to you uh, by our friends over there, Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Gene Adela from Pella. Uh, I've been telling you about these. I had a guy come up to me last night. He said, hey, Bill, got to ask you. And he does one of those kind of look around things. I always describe it as somebody that's about to rob a bank. And he says, do you really have Pella Windows? I said, "I." before he even got the sentence out, I'm like, yes, I do. I've got a brand new sliding door, patio door, down in my great room. There's two of them down there. I have new windows in the office. And throughout the house. And it, it, it's, they're fantastic. Fantastic. You really don't hear the outside winds. You really don't have and feel the outside cold. Uh, they match the, uh, the wood around uh, the framing with the interior of my home. The hardware matches exactly the modern yet rustic look that I wanted. 
The roll screens in the windows are fantastic. There, there's nothing bad I can ever say about Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. And it's not because they're a sponsor. It's just because I genuinely, I bought them before I, I, I was working with them. And they're fantastic. And I've mentioned this before. They add value to your home. There is no reason not to give them a buzz. They can do it all in, in as little as a day. You can set up your free in-home consultation. The best part about it is right now, they have this interest, uh, five years, no interest financing, five months, no first payment. So five years, no interest, five months, no first payment going on right now. It only lasts through the end of the month, through January 31st. So set up your free free consultation today. They can come out to your house. They can measure everything two and three times, get it right, send it out to the manufacturer. Pella then manufactures your windows. They custom assemble, custom install. They do it one room at a time. You're not going to lose all the heat in your house. It's just that good. That's our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. 855-PELLA-WI. That's 855 Pella WI, or uh, just simply get a hold of them at PellaWI.com. P E L L A. PellaWI.com. Make sure you tell them Bill Michael sent you. Uh, and uh, ask for Gina, ask for Dan, uh, which was my salesman, any one of those people over there. They can help you out. They're great people. That's Pella, P E L L A. Pella Winners and Doors of Wisconsin. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.